You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Denver? Welcome to our first episode of our second season of House Hack Mastermind Podcast Series. My name is Ben Einsbar, your host, here with my co-host, Mr. Jeffrey White. How you doing, man? Always doing fabulous. How about yourself? Oh, super excited for this, this round of guests closing in this high interest rate environment. It's going to be a great season. Absolutely. And this makes me even more excited for these two guests today. <laughs> they both utilize my favorite strategy. And Which is rent by room. Yes. So both of our guests are rent by the are implementing the rent by room strategy. All right. To kick this episode off, I am double fisting rum and water. Cheers. Let's get into it. All right. So first first guest is Jordan Lindsay. Jordan is an avid Rico podcast listener for four plus years. And after seeing friends purchase their first house hack, Jordan and his wife. Wife mutual. It's I like I mutually agreed on that. Uh, uh, just closed on their second house hack and key uh, keywords. I like what you put here: uh, cooking, cocktail, investing, traveling, and golden doodle puppy. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, uh, it was a long conversation with my wife to uh, <laughs> go from living by ourselves to having others live with us. Yeah, awesome. Well, welcome, man. Um, all right, next guest is Jake Shoemate. Jake was looking for alternate alternative ways to invest in in to invest other than stocks and mutual funds, stumbled across our house hacking guidebook, and then shortly after purchased his first house hack. What's up, Jake? Yeah, how's it going, Ben? Uh doing well. Uh yeah, it's been um uh, both read the uh uh, Craig Carlop's uh, book house. Yeah, yeah. And then the Denver and just kind of shot me forward and I closed on my first home back in April. And yeah, it's exciting to be here. Nice. Exciting to be here. Awesome. So I'm going to kick this episode off the same way Jeff and I have kicked off the first 10 episodes is I want to run through and give the guests an idea of the layout of your house hack, what makes the house hack and kind of why you're choosing this strategy. Uh, Jordan, I'll start with you, man. Let's hear about your your second one, not your first one. Yeah, okay, sounds good. Uh, so we just purchased down here in Southwest Aurora, and the layout of the house worked really well for my wife and I because we had done a house hack before where we were living on the same floor as, you know, where we may rent out some space or there's shared space, and you know, it adds a lot of stress to uh, your living situation. So with this newest <laughs> house, it is three levels. You have your main floor where it has all the shared rooms that you need. And then it has all four bedrooms upstairs with a master and then three, you know, full like size bedrooms. And then there's a fully finished basement that's about 800 square feet. So uh, contrary to I think what a lot of people may do, we're living in the basements where we have our own double living room space and a bedroom and a bathroom. And it's all we've only been there for about a month now and it's already been working fantastic. So it's a great layout. Um, with renting out the rooms, we're able to rent out all four as almost as soon as we moved in. Um, and so it made for a much easier transition into the the house hacking realm that way. So a lot of lessons learned. Do you have a little kitchen down there for yourself and your wife? 
So we actually did that at the other house. We haven't done it here, but we do have a mini fridge because <laughs> we buy, we go to Costco and we buy a lot of our drinks, you know, like bubbly drinks or like vitamin waters. Most of our fridge space back at the other house was all drinks. We're like, we need to <laughs> cut this back. So we'd have a mini fridge. We may put a microwave down there or something, you know, pretty basic. Yeah. I like how you chose the, uh, it's like the comfort versus income um, scale and you chose, all right, we're going to go for the income over, com- um, over comfort by choosing the basement versus the upstairs, which could be more, uh, more comfortable. Well, okay. Well, I take it back. Is the basement more square footage and more roomy? Definitely. It's, it's like a mini studio. Okay. So, so I take that, you like know, it's, the, it was an easy decision, yeah. but I will tell you living in the basement's just very different than living upstairs. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, yeah. Jake will talk yeah. on that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, Awesome. Jake, let's hear about let's hear about yours, man. Uh so yeah, just like Jordan. Um, I got a I got a house back in April. Uh it's up in Westminster, about 15 minutes outside downtown. I wanted to be still I, I lived downtown for about four years. So I still kinda I go downtown pretty frequently, so I wanted to be close. It's a twenty seven hundred square foot uh property. Um, very similar. It's you got the main floor, it's all the shared common spaces, and you've got uh four bedrooms on the uh top floor. Um, as well as there's a sunroom that's included, a decent backyard, small backyard. I grew up in the South taking care of yards and st- uh, growing up mowing the yard all the time. So I wanted the smallest yard uh, possible. <laughs> so less responsibility, uh, less, uh, uh, less responsibility, the better. Um, uh, but uh, to work my numbers a, b- a lot better, I ended up converting the dining room into additional bedroom on the main floor. So you've got four bedrooms top, uh, one bedroom on uh, the, the uh, main floor, and then you got in the basement, uh, just like his. It's roughly, I'd say, six, six, hundred square foot of finished. And there's an unfinished part, which includes this bathroom. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it's like a vanity, and you get this camper-style shower. But, you know, I'm not being picky or anything. It works out great for me. Um, and there's plenty of storage space. Street. So I take up the entire, I basically take up the entire basement and... Actually, I find it more comfortable. Yes, there is the temperature variance that can be a little bit annoying, but I don't have to do... Uh, I've lived with roommates uh, for a long time, and I just didn't want to have... I live with roommates. I do a lot of cooking, too, so I had a kitchenette installed also in the basement. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's been it's been great. Uh, it's been a great experience. I was able to get all my tenants in, uh, four tenants in, um, uh Let's see, right after I closed, the first month after I closed, I was able to get my fifth tenant before my second uh, mortgage was due. So it's worked out really well. Nice work, man. I'm nice sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing you mentioned was uh, you installed a kitchenette. And so when I talk to a lot of people interested in house hacking, uh, one thing that they're very avid on is is if if the house doesn't have a separate kitchen or a separate cooking space, they're pretty avid on adding that kitchen. I'm curious on how how your process was and how was that experience. One, trying to add the kitchen, and two, I'm guessing uh, after you close, you're trying to get it done as quickly as possible. And so then, while that construction is going on, you're delaying the amount of income you can bring in by by adding tenants while a full time job. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. Um, no, it's it wasn't too difficult. I was able to get all my contractors in the week after I uh, the week after I closed to get estimates, and uh, then I just kind of went forward with it. I ended up having my handyman who he ended up in, he ended up installing. I you know ordering all my stuff from like Home Depot, for example. I had kind of all laid out. Um, it's pretty much a kitchenette. It's got everything. 
the fridge, dishwasher, sink. Uh, the only thing I don't have is like a stove because it was going to cost extra uh, to have the 220 volt plug in mm-hmm. installed. Um, so, and ever since I got an air fryer, like a year ago, like I've been sold on that, like <laughs> all the way air fryer. And then also got, um, basically like, uh, so then you got, you know, your pan frying, but I've also, it's a, um, um, I forget what it's called, but, uh, basically it's, uh, it's a, uh, it's a burn, it's a um, top burner. Yeah. It's a straight hot top. Plate. It's just a hot plate, but hot it's plate. actually convection, mm-hmm. uh, convectional. It's the newest Induction. one. Induction. That's it. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, I've got just two of them, but it serves really well. I mean, like I make eggs a lot in the morning and it's just easy just turning that thing on and it's worked out really well for me. So is it the unit itself is just sitting on top of, yeah, it's something? just sitting on top of the counter nice. basically. So I've got my That's air fryer perfect. and then that next to each other. Now, I guess the trade off is yes, it takes up room but i mean so would a stove as well so i found it to be the most um most value that i could I could add to the basement while benefiting from that um and i was still living in my apartment so i didn't have to deal with like sharing a kitchen or anything weird uh and that like i said i was able to get my tenants in and they was uh, let me add to is also I have two fridges. There's a second fridge in the garage. And okay. that's very important too when you have like five people living in the same oh, yeah. house. <laughs> so Jeff, I know you've had uh you're you're known for for finding those large bedroom houses. Yeah. Do you ever ever add a kitchen or ever ever add a refrigerator in the garage or a larger refrigerator? Or do you do anything yeah, different? My current place is in Lakewood and it's a seven bed. Three bath place. Would it, I would and, guess nothing less. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, similar to Jake, um, I know one refrigerator for the six other people there is just not enough, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big. It's like those French door refrigerator. It's like it's a big fridge, but obviously people um, have something. Some people cook all the time. They have mm-hmm. a lot of one. This one guy likes to hunt deer. He has a lot of deer meat. Something like that. Nice guy. Um, <laughs> is he taking up all of your freezer space? No, I, uh, he got so because this. I got. The, I was planning ahead, of course, but I forced him to get his own little mini freezer space for his room, whatever. And it worked out fine. <laughs> but basically, I just separate the two. It's so like upstairs, downstairs. Um, upstairs people get the um, the main fridge, and downstairs people get a, their own fridge and microwave and hot plate and coffee maker and mm-hmm. little shelves. So kind of they don't have to share everything so freeze up the um amount of fridge space and then you just organize mm-hmm. it based on okay room a or room one two three you guys get these shelves mm-hmm. um it makes it very simple and the same thing with cabinet space you try to organize that the best mm-hmm. you can um because the same thing if you'd say hey, free for all everyone just put wherever you want then people will you'll have those complaints of like hey uh so uh, jake's using my um air fryer and it's my air fryer um but it's not like they just don't act, they just assume like everything's shared mm-hmm. when it's someone else's stuff. So that that way you avoid that conflict. Um, I've done the exact same thing. So at yeah. all of my houses, this one has three fridges and our other house has two <laughs> fridges. The the third fridge is the mini fridge for our drinks, basically. So it's down in the dungeon with us. But uh, I would add a second fridge to every house. Yeah. Um, this newest one's in the garage. The other one's in the basement, in the laundry room. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, yeah, you definitely, because uh, when you're going above uh, four bedrooms, you have to have two fridges, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And generally kitchens are large enough that you can separate them into five maybe six parts yeah. mine's been able to work out really well besides two fridges i was able to separate everything everyone gets their own equal share and while there's still actually shared space and it's worked out really well so right so jordan question for you 
for your first house hack. So you've moved out of it and it's stabilized, right? And it's you're still implementing the rent by room strategy. Yes. Love it. Self-managing? Yes. So who <laughs> who is managing? So we're in the middle of winter. Who's managing the snow removal, ice mitigation, and let's say in the spring, who's managing like the mowing? Mm-hmm. I took care of the mowing by just killing off the grass right off the bats. I got you. <laughs> There's a whole story behind that for another day. Um, regarding the snow removal, I'm glad you brought that up because I just had an extensive conversation with uh, our um, insurance agents that was referred to us. So we switched all of our policies over, including our auto, our new landlord policy, and this current uh, homeowner's policy all to uh, one carrier to make it a lot easier. And I had an extensive conversation and he's investor friendly, which is fantastic. Um, talking about the snow removal and what he does to make sure that it is on the occupants of the household to manage. So whether you're living there or not, it, it has it there as kind of like a house rule, I'd say that, hey, the tenants are responsible now for uh, managing the snow removal, made sure that slip and falls were not an exclusion uh, just in case as well. So I think we have it set up properly where it's a part of the house rules. I do need to, I think, update the house rules to be included in the lease agreement. So at least it's signed, um, but it is written down. So yeah, we had a really good conversation about that. But it's, it's uh, yeah, when you're managing your own property, there's so many things you could miss. It is intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one where it's just been a lot of... Uh, kind of further conversations as as we've been moving along where I'm learning new things and, and trying to set it up for the future. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, that's great too. I think snow removal, lawn care, all that's very important. And you should also look into doing, um, uh, we call it uh, rental, uh, what it's called. Property uh, management software? No, not that. Oh, okay. Unless you need it, you can use Excel spreadsheets. Uh, but <laughs> you could do um, for the tenants, um, renter's insurance. Yes. Oh, that's yes. Very important, especially for rent by room, it, especially with all the personal property in their rooms. Mm-hmm. If someone ever stole it, you're not on the hook. Or exactly. if, you know, it gives you a little additional layer of protection. Yeah, that that was a part of the conversation as well. That's in the lease agreement that it's um, recommended. Basically, mm-hmm. um, the fact that I think the homeowners' policies and even landlord policies have that as an exclusion. So you're there to protect the tenants yeah. in that case, and I yeah, I stand by it. Oh yeah, but it's recommended, not required. Do you have tenants uh, that don't have renter's insurance? uh, All of them that I've talked to said they would sign up for it, but I don't ask for proof, and so I can't. Here's a quick tip: put your name. Tell them to put you as additional insured. Yes. That way, if they just say, "Oh yeah, I'll get it," and then they cancel it a week later, you'll know. Like, hey, what the what the heck, man? You just. uh, does you, that you get hold you any any liability at all? I've I've never heard of that quick tip before. It, yeah. They do that for mortgage companies too. They're the additional okay. interest yeah. on the policy. I like that. So no additional. no liability. So you require it though. I <laughs> I do, but obviously I have people that say I'll get to it, and they don't get to it. Then sure. I like follow up, but try to get in the front end. That's, okay. what, that's what I learned is if you ask in the front front end and to say hey, part of you know signing lease with us is. We require renter's insurance. It's not so much for us; it actually protects you. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like reframe it to help them instead of just like, "Oh, well, I'm just requiring it because I want to be super annoying." Yeah, it's actually benefiting you, and it's only you know a few bucks a month, and put me as additional insured. And then that way, if they do cancel it a month from now, two months from now, you'll know, and then you could follow up with them and say, "Hey, okay, uh, what's the deal?" It's like I 
you just signed up for and canceled it. You know, it's not super expensive. And, you know, going back to the original conversation of it protects you. And along those lines, um, I think this is a great part of this podcast and get some real conversations. But what I really want to hear from both of you guys is expectations versus reality when it came from when you bought your first house hack and Jake just bought his, what you guys were thinking going into it from reading all the books, listening to podcasts, YouTube videos, all that stuff. And then what was the true reality, like getting all the operations set up, getting all the systems in place, filling all the rooms. Was it, um, yeah, just dive into that. I really want to hear that. Uh, yeah, I could speak on that, especially <laughs> um, as you're looking at me directly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely, um, I'd say it was, uh, um, it was overwhelming and and I I was not expecting to be thrown through the ringer, everything once, you know, handling, um, my regular W2, um, luckily I, I work from home, so it's, it was a lot easier to manage the property, get the contractors in, uh, get, uh, get the estimates and then start, uh, then start, uh, actually putting out, um, uh, advertising on uh, Facebook marketplace, uh, trying to get tenants in, like it was all at once. And I, I think that's the one thing that people, a lot of the real estate investment or house hacking that they tend to gloss over is that they don't talk about like when you first buy this property and if you're self-managing, this is all your responsibility mm-hmm. and you want to make money off of it. It's, you know, you want to get the highest ROI on it. You, uh, you got to, you know, hit the ground running and make sure you got to have, have the house filled. I mean, I was lucky, you know, um, you know, I've had like, you know, Dane, for example, he told me he, he was like, wow, I did a really good job. You was able to get like that many tenants in that quickly because he had a property and it took him way longer, uh, to do so. Um, but yes, I mean, like the books, they talk about the numbers, they talk about everything else, but they don't talk about the time requirement. I'm also like a handyman myself. So I was buying a lot of my money went towards like tools and stuff. So like whatever, like a uh, contractor, when it comes to, like plumbing, electrician, like really complicated work um, that, you know, I would hire out, but like drywall repair, painting and stuff, um, any other house maintenance. And that's the thing about it is it was my first house. So I had no idea what it's like. I've been living in apartments um, uh, for the longest time, so I'm not used to the amount of of responsibilities it takes to owning a house. And you can't make everything picture perfect. Like, you you know, and that's what happened to me. Like, I got overwhelmed responsibilities and my yard ended up dying in my backyard. I couldn't figure (laughs) out my sprinkler system. Uh, He did did do air quotes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, um, like I said, it tends to be glossed over and I think it's something very important that should be included, uh, when people are being educated about, um, uh, real estate investment, especially particularly house hacking, if they're going to be living uh, in the house while renting it out. So from start to finish from your date of closing to, so you did, you added the kitchen and you're working your full-time job working from home or, or on site. I uh, work from home. So uh, working from home, that, I'm 100 remote. That so. that helps. Uh, to your first tenant, uh, to your first tenant signed. What was that time frame? Um, so I was able to get my contractors in. I was able to get most of uh, the contract work done by say what I closed in April, April and then uh, April fourth, yeah. and then May. Uh, I was done with all the contract work by like mid May. Okay. Um, wow. and uh. 
the thing about it was all the four tenants was able to get the upstairs and everything. It was the dining room bedroom yeah. uh, that was the last one got filled because that was the the last bit of the contract work that got finished. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was like mid-May. So that's why I was saying I was able to get my four before my first mortgage and I was able to get my fifth before the second mortgage. Okay, so, so yeah. awesome. What did you say about a yeah. month? You about a month? Or was uh, it more excited? Like, I'm seeing mid... Uh, Oh, early April. Let yeah, me, like, let, like, me well, let me add also. I forget. I'm totally neglecting sure. furnishings as well. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. I'm using. I got permission to use the um, the previous owner's pictures or the realtor's mm-hmm. pictures. They That's took. important to get. It's very out. important. And luckily, like the pictures were really, really good. They looked great. Now, and I'm advertising <laughs> this on marketplace. And I get people come in, and then like right before, like they actually come to the property. They, the house looks the same and everything, but it's it's empty. Like mm-hmm. I am also like not just the uh, dealing with the contractors, but also filling it up, uh, filling the rooms, but I'm also furnishing. I didn't finish my furnishings till like I think four months after uh, words because I'm also looking on marketplace. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to get the best deals. I'm not buying new stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bought a couple of new things, like the couches and whatnot, but. I had some stuff that I had some friends that gave to me, but also I was just looking at marketplace. I'm also very particular about the way the house looks. So I'm not just grabbing anything off marketplace. I'm I'm kind of picking and choosing. So it could, you know, it could be it my the time span, I definitely probably could have gotten it done a lot quicker than that, but um it was just I was being very particular on how my house is supposed to look. And right now, still, I still haven't taken new pictures of the house. And uh, I may have to, uh, depending on um, right now, I've got one tenant that might be out the end of January, and I'm uh, happen to, I might have to retake my uh, take actual take pictures because I've got it fully furnished now. But but yeah, um, if that answers your question, I'm sorry, I just kind of went on a tangent. So, there, so. Uh, from start to close, how long was that? Um, I'd say about fully furnishing it uh, four months. Four I'd months. Say. Yeah, four months. With but the finding time. the tenants, you found four. I found my, time. I found my first yeah, four within. Like I, no, let's say literally, I got my first two um, after I closed. I got my got first it. two before the end of April. Okay, and then I got my second two before the end of May, and then I got my fourth in June. I mean, okay. my fifth in June with the full time job. That's impressive. With a full time yeah, job, yeah. going through finding the job. place, yeah, fixing yeah. up the place. Yes, it's a it's a screening. You using tools. Oh yes, yeah, screening. Yeah. Also, like I wasn't yeah. letting anybody in my house either. Yeah. Like uh, I definitely had some creepers that uh, came <laughs> came over. Like you know, I vet them through Facebook messaging, and but you know, until you actually meet the person, you know, you don't know. I, you don't I have know. two notes. One. Uh, yeah, marketplace is just crazy right now for finding furniture. Um, especially if you are particular, like my wife is, I will (laughs) say one thing that I think will make Jeff happy is we bought five couches for $400. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. We did an awesome (laughs) job there. Uh, we had to deep clean two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We got a crazy deal. Did you say you found all of your tenants on Facebook marketplace though? Um, or most of yeah, them? Yeah, most of them. Yeah, because also, huh. um, I was also, my requirements, uh, for, I was looking for certain tenants. So I was also looking for short-term tenants. So I also have like, so I do, I follow Jeff's plan where I do a trial period, two to three month lease. And then if they really like it, then I'll extend the lease um, into like, you know, 10 to 12 months. Kind of in, ends up extending into a year. Um, basically, like, I think it was my first two, uh, uh, my first tenant, he got the master. He's still there right now. 
Um, but like I had another tenant who's only there for uh, two months. I had another tenant that was also for like two or three months. And so what happens was, is once I had like, I was getting my rent income, that was paying the mortgage and, and covering all that. I wasn't sweating bullets and I could be a little bit more, uh, I could, I could curtail my, uh, aver- my ad to look for more long-term uh, potential tenants. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would ask my questions is like, okay, would you be interested in a long-term potential or cause yeah, I mean, the guy, I had the, the second guy that moved in, he was moving from Texas and, it, you know, he was waiting for a friend, his lease to, uh, to end. And then they're going to move together, mm-hmm. move in together. So there's going to be circumstances like that. So, and then, like I said, once like you know, once I'm getting got that money in, I'm not too worried about like missing payments or having to put my own money into the mortgage or anything. Then that's where I can relax my requirements. Like, okay, I'm looking for a long term potential tenants, mm-hmm. and then that's where I can lock them down. And that's where you know that's where that two hours a month of actually working mm-hmm. on the uh, property yep. uh, comes into play. So, yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. How about how about how? Well, I want to I want to touch back on the the screening because that's a very important part especially for for rent by the room because you're absolutely living living with it and um you did you did touch on jeff's screening process it is it is amazing i mean on number six it's definitely above and beyond compared to the when you look at these some of these rent by rooms that people are not house hacking they're just like oh someone owns a family home and they're just renting out one room Mm yeah it typically is like oh you go in and it's either like verbal confirmation Mm -hmm. uh, agreement or maybe you might sign a lease but you don't not a lot of people go through like the credit check the background check Mm -hmm. the credit check you know your previous uh landlord um, their employment references, yep. like there's a, a big long list and it is a little bit extra work, yeah. but then that saves you the hassle of dealing with a bad tenant. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I've yet to have, I've had a bad tenant. So if anyone's wanting, wanting help or guidance on how to properly screen vet, get tenants in, I'd highly recommend checking out Jeff's course. If you want to see that, go to our website, it's under learn and just click courses and it's right under there. Highly um, recommend. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Jordan, tell me about your pro like from start to finish. This is this is your second time going through, yeah, but let's yeah. just talk about the, the I yeah. Yeah. So I had a lease signed before we closed, and I had <laughs> another verbal confirmation before we closed. <laughs> yes. We had and to my wife's demise, I know there's a lot of jokes rolling around, but like the amount of work that it takes to have people moving in with you is, uh, you know, intense, especially when you want the house to look nice. And, you know, you are searching for furnishings and all of that. Uh, And I'm doing all the back end work with the contracts and uh, we both screen them in person, but I'm doing all the uh, application work and all of that. So it's, it's, you know, twofold, a lot of work. Um, we had all four bedrooms filled. We closed middle of November and the last person moved in December 1st. And then even with that, because it's holidays, people will like sign the lease and then like leave for a week, you know, and not come back. So second go around did a much better job. The first go around, we weren't as concerned either about filling the rooms quickly because it was um, kind of, you know, uh, we were like uh, stepping into it like a uh, toes at a time, you know? Yeah. Um, toes. So we definitely went a lot slower on the first one. I'd say it was two months from our first lease when we first closed, which was August of 21. We bought this house, you know, 13 months later or something. And it was much faster, much, much better. Uh, definitely helpful uh, course by Jeff here. Thank I you. Can't, uh, <laughs> can't agree more. 
So it was a uh, it was a lot though with the the marketplace and furnishings because we did take some of our furnishings from the other house, and so we had to be we're going back and forth between North Glen and Southwest Aurora, looking for awesome. furniture across the board, you know, because we took like the dining room table and like uh, the couch from downstairs, so that needs a couch and a table, and then like this needs everything else. <laughs> so it was a lot for sure. Would you? Uh... Do you think you would have done a better job with the knowledge you had for the second one if you re- if you had to go back to Northland and start again yes. from scratch? What would you have done differently? Screening. Okay. I, and I can't say it enough. <laughs> I would. Uh, so we we got very lucky with the first tenant uh, who is still with us, and he's a great guy. And we built a relationship with him while we were living there too. So it's a little different. Um, and then actually during this year, we rented out to my brother and his wife before they were buying their first house. So there was a little bit of vacancy in there that we're not worried about at all. But we did um, think when we were struggling to find tenants around the winter time of twenty one we were like, we're being too picky. And so summertime rolled around when we had rooms open and we're like, we need to be less picky. And like emotionally, Mm -hmm. we were telling ourselves that. And so we had a guy come in with a couple of red flags, like a few red flags that would have been a no right off the bat. Um, And he moved in. And so you signed the lease? We signed the lease. (laughs) (laughs) Because we weren't thinking about it like that. Yeah, it was a very, very... uh, (laughs) good learning lesson um in this entire process he was with us for i think four months um we never even fully evicted him i think the thing is my wife and i are very nice people Uh, and so we worked with him and asked him to move out but there were i mean there's so many stories that are not um How'd very appropriate. The, how'd you go about bringing up that conversation? It's very obvious when somebody is living in the same house as you and you're constantly talking to them in person or texting them about the issues, mm-hmm. whether it's loud noise from late night activities or smelling certain uh, um, also activities inside the house, things like this are very obvious. And so when you bring a conversation like that up to somebody, they're not completely surprised Surprised yeah. that you're like, oh, I got caught. Um, so very, very good learning lesson. So if we were to do the first house, uh, all over again, we would do a much better job. That being said, I think, uh, lessons are invaluable. You know, at least that's what I tell myself. Yeah. So <laughs> and sometimes you have to go through my opinion, like, uh, you'll, everyone will get a bad tenant. That's mm-hmm. the reality is yeah. like, you can you've, screen you've them. You've had perfectly. a, fun, a couple yeah. of fun stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they passed my background credit. Every, mm-hmm. like, they checked out and sometimes people slip through it. I would say like, the reality is if you screen really well, 1% is like the one out of a hundred, yeah. you'll get one bad one. Like sometimes people go through life events and they mm-hmm. go depression, they boyfriend breaks up with them and you know, they can't handle it. And then they stop paying rent. What do you do? Like, yeah, that's, it's just going to happen to every, over time, you're going to have to deal with situations like that and have to have those hard conversations. But the 99% of the time, it's going to be fine. You'll run it like a business and it's going to be smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference is the the ones, the motivated sellers, the motivated landlords that hate being a landlord is they pick out, they make that one out of a hundred more like 50 out of a hundred. Yeah. And then they end up burnt out. Like how can anyone be a, a landlord? Like dealing with tenants is a nightmare, but they didn't go back. They never, they never had good screening processes mm-hmm. this whole time. Or things yeah. to protect them, like insurance yeah. and like lease agreements and everything else that you need to do ahead of time. 
And that's where the value of like podcasts like this come in for sure. Yeah. Cause you can go into it blind, basically like <laughs> what and just do a phenomenal job. Or you can do it like what my wife and I did. And we're like, Oh, we'll try this out. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, I was, you know, I was following Jeff kind of to the T. I was just nonstop calling him every single day. <laughs> hey, Jake, whatever like, it takes, man. It, I'm happy but, to help. You know, answer my questions. But I think that's just for everybody who gets into this is that the screening process is just kind of a unique experience because you start building up like you, you start seeing these red flags this is not something i don't think books can i mean you can you sit there like there's obvious red flags but then there's like emotional gut feeling mm-hmm. or when you think it's our subtle feelings that you think something somebody something about them is a little bit off and i had a lot of uh, experiences with that and obviously i never signed uh, signed any, uh, had any laces signed with them uh uh so um yeah and it just i think it gets better and better over uh, mm-hmm. after time the more experience that you add it's just uh it's incredibly uh va- va- invaluable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How is uh, Jeff? So how is Jeff House Hack maybe one and two screening process different from number six or number? So I had the screamer in that first house hack. Yeah. So that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. So who handles? Because I think that on a, this is very important. So if you're operating the business, it's a business yeah. with a significant other. It's good to know who the who the who owns has like the strengths, whose weaknesses are. For example, for me. Um, I have like, I have my wife take care of a lot of the, the conflicts, whereas I, I just, I didn't like, we just know that's our strength and weaknesses. She's very good at being direct. Um, how, how, how do you manage that? I'm the same way as you. I'm a softie. <laughs> so, so if so I was face to face, I'd have a hard time like saying, Oh, Jake, you have to move out. Jordan, you have to move out. Like I, I just sense the light get to go do mm-hmm. the dirty work <laughs> and I'll do all the, like the underwriting, the screening, like that's my favorite yep. part. So I really enjoy that. Like looking at bank statements, I like to, uh, find out dirt on people saying, okay, is this guy lying to me? Is he telling me the truth? Yeah. Like that? I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's like, I'm passionate about, you know, underwriting. I really mm-hmm. yeah. like screening people because to me, you have to take it seriously because that's yes. the difference between a <clears throat> successful landlords and not. Yes. You know, if you don't that's treat it like point. a business from day one, then you'll end up, um, you know, with a bunch of your bad tenants like that. Yeah. And then you'd probably be that moat. You say, Oh, it's not for us. We'll just yeah. sell. And then that's, you know, real estate can be very hard for some people, Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, I think there's always two sides to the relationship and you do have to, if you are going into it in a relationship, uh, like my wife and I have been together for like seven years and we just bought last year. So we obviously knew each other very well going into it. Um, but I could see the strain that it would definitely put on, you know, a new relationship. I'm the exact same way though. You got, you got your spreadsheet guys, you know, that are really good at all the underwriting (laughs) stuff. And then you have somebody who can actually talk to people yes. about yes. <laughs> everything else. Yeah. But to answer your question, going back to the difference between screening on the first one versus the sixth yeah, yeah. one, I would say I do more extensive than I did back then. So since COVID, I would say there's more fraud or people that try to slip mm. through the cracks. So now I just increase the requirements. So instead of just saying, okay, just give me, uh, you know, here's an application just fill it out and mm-hmm. then i verify like the references the landlord prior landlords and employer and all that now i actually do a few more steps so i like, mm-hmm. call i look up their employer on linkedin um like their supervisor and actually confirm they actually work at that place of employment and if i can't verify that yeah. or if it's someone like then i'm like okay this person's not being genuine with me yeah. here. So red flag number one, mm-hmm. uh, I do pay stubs instead of just saying, Oh, just give me last month's pay stub. Someone might've 
got let go. Yeah. Um, maybe three, recently. three pay yeah. stubs and two months of bank statements. Two bank statements. Yeah. yeah you match the pay stubs, the bank statements. Yep, yep. Exactly. And just, you're just doing these few extra steps because someone that's going to scam you or like mm-hmm. someone that's trying to sneak their way, um, will not go through all that effort. They'll just, they'll probably stop when you ask for a bank statement. They'll say, yeah. why do you want a it, bank statement? And that's then that's like, point. why? Of course I want your bank statement. I, mean, I don't care what income you make. I just want to verify you actually, uh, your, what your pay stub is matches up to your bank statement. And that's pretty much it. And some people have issues with that. And mm-hmm. then that's, there's so much demand for rent yep. by room, good quality tenants that will provide motivated tenant um, we'll give you everything you want without even asking any follow-up questions. Yeah, and, and to, to finalize this point, more or less, is that if they make your job easy, like if you're asking for all the information and they're more than happy to provide you and everything, that's somebody that you want. Yeah. yeah. If, if they're if yeah. they're like, you know, I don't know, like you come back, you know, like I've had some that I was asked for information and they're like, oh, let me get back to you on that. And, you know, you wait like a week or something or it's like, they're not that serious. You want somebody who is going to be as easy to work with um, as possible, and those are the the goal. Uh, I think you know the golden uh, tenants. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I was going to say um, it's the the type of people who are like prepared for all these apartment complex requirements because we're basically doing the same requirements. Yep. And these apartment complexes don't care if you move in or not. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're large conglomerates, but uh, you're looking for the people who are are basically like that prepared, you know, with all of the crazy stuff that goes into those, but don't want to pay that much. Yeah. 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 So overall, excellent advice for screening tenants from people that are in the trenches doing it themselves. If I had to take like a couple takeaways, it's the importance of screening tenants. And what we touched on briefly was uh, insurance. That's Mm -hmm. one thing that can get looked over is, is having a good insurance broker that is investor friendly on your team and on your side that knows and can help prepare you for the what ifs because that is your very insurance. When is there, everyone always talks about, hey, let me get a, a LLC in place. Let me get my uh, a business in place. Well, your first line of defense is your insurance. And that's just the very, the biggest important, one of the very important things to, to have on your team as an insurance broker. Um, so awesome. Great discussion. Um, if anyone, wants to get in touch with Jordan or Jake, their contact info will be uh, in the show notes. And um, a couple other events coming up is Jeff and I are hosting a summit in the end of February, which is February 25th. It's an all-day summit all about house hacking. So be on the lookout for some early registration. But Jordan, Jake, I appreciate you guys having on. Jeff, Always a pleasure. Yes. Thank you both for coming. It was a lot of fun today and I look forward to hearing your future successes as well. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Cheers.